Hey, this is Evan Black, pastor of Faith for Life Church, and this is our podcast. Thanks for joining us today. If you don't yet know Jesus, I'm so glad that you're listening, and I pray that this message empowers you to give your life to Christ. If you're just starting out on your journey with Jesus, I hope this empowers you to connect with Him. If you're strong in your connection to Christ, I believe this message will empower you to follow Him. So enjoy today's message. It it was reported that on March 13th, 1964, a 28-year-old woman uh, named Kitty Genovese was chased, attacked three times, raped, and ultimately stabbed to death in the street in Queens, New York, right in front of her apartment building. It was reported that 38 of her neighbors either saw or heard her screaming, being attacked over this 30-minute span, right in front of their homes. She was stabbed to death, and not one of those 38 neighbors called the police, came outside, helped her in any way. Not one of them. This caused uh, many psychologists to do many, many studies to come up with what you all may know now as the bystander effect. And the details of that story have since been um, challenged, and it's difficult to tell now if the 38 people actually heard or knew or, or if any of them called the police or not, but there have been examples like this over and over and over that have come to light since that time. In October 2011, a two-year-old girl in China was hit by a small van in the street. She was two. This van runs her over, and she's laying in the street, and 18 people walk past her and do not help her two-year-old girl. One of those 18 people walk around this line of blood that she had left laying in the street as this two-year-old girl lays there. And not one of those 18 people called emergency services, stopped to help her in any way, shape, or form. Finally, a man picks her up, carries her Um, away, cause emergency services, and eight days later in a hospital, she dies. An author named Malcolm Gladwell writes in his book, Tipping Point, when people are in a group, responsibility for acting is diffused. They assume that someone else will make the call, or they assume because no one else is acting, the apparent problem isn't really a problem. No one called. No one spoke up. No one acted. Everyone was silent. In these two instances, the silence from the 38 neighbors and the 18 pedestrians were every bit as much of the cause of death as the van and the attacker. Had one of those 38 neighbors called the police and spoke up as soon as they heard Kitty scream or saw Kitty being attacked, likely she would have lived. 
if one of those 18 people would have called out for help and picked up this two-year-old girl, she actually likely would have lived. Because the rest of that story is, because those 18 people walk by her, another larger van later comes and runs her over before this man picks her up. But no one spoke up. Everyone was silent. The lesson is not that no one called, despite the fact that 38 people heard her cry and 18 people walked past her laying in blood. The lesson is that no one called because 38 people heard her cry and because 18 people walked past her lying in blood. You can already tell today's going to be a little different than normal. When we're talking about silent killers, today we're going to talk about us as Christians, our responsibility to speak up or be silent when it comes to injustices in our world, in our culture, in our society, in our country. And we're going to have choices to make just like those 38 people and just like those 18 people. If you have your Bibles, turn to Esther chapter 4. Esther chapter 4. I'd encourage you to read the whole book of Esther to give you a little bit of context And for time's sake, I'm going to recap up to chapter 4, verse 10 is where we'll start. Uh, Really what we need to know for today is there was a king named Xerxes who um, he made a man named Haman the highest ranking official in this land and ordered all the king's servants to bow down and kneel before him. But there was also a, a Jewish man named Mordecai who would not bow down to Haman. And the reason that he wouldn't bow down is because he was Jewish and, and, and his religion, his faith told him that he couldn't bow down. <clears throat> and so Haman uses this as an opportunity to try to kill all of the Jewish people in this land. And he talks the king into agreeing to this. And so there's this decree from the king that all the Jewish people um, will, will be killed. And so Malik, uh, Mordecai sends this message to the queen who you need to go back and read many of you all know the story this queen named Esther who was actually Jewish and tells her that the king is planning to do this and so in verse 10 it says and Esther spoke to uh, Mr. H (coughs) if you're new here um, I I just have this mental block in a lot of these names I really should be able to pronounce that and I've practiced all week I'm just not going to butcher it right now Um, then Esther spoke to Mr. H and commanded him to go to Mordecai and say All the king's servants and the people of the king's province know that if any man or woman goes to the king inside the inner court without being called, there is but one law, to be put to death. Now, now let me stop. I don't think I said this part. Mordecai actually sent a message to the queen and said, hey, you need to go talk to the king because otherwise I'm going to die, your family's going to die, all the Jewish people are going to die, your people are going to die. You need to go talk to the king. So this is um, Esther's response. She, she says that if any man or woman goes to the king inside the inner court without being called, there is but one law. There is only one thing that will happen, and it is by law. This is, this is nearly guaranteed to happen if I just go to the king like you're asking me to do. It is but one law to be put to death except the one to whom the king holds out the golden scepter so that he may live. 
But as for me, I've not been called to come into the king these 30 days. So here she's saying, you want me to go talk to the king, but that is literally putting my life at risk. If I go to the king, I am going to die. The only way that I don't die is if the king gives me grace and and puts out this golden scepter. But that's unlikely because I haven't even seen the king in 30 days. Now, ladies, you're married to a guy. You're the queen. You ain't seen the king in 30 days? Like, that's not good. We don't know why, but it ain't good. Like, whatever it is, it's not good. Right? Fellas, you ain't seen your wife, or at least one of your wives, in 30 days? (laughs) Something else is going on. Y'all can pick that up if you want to, but this ain't good. She's like, not only am, by law can I not go see the king, like I'm not in good grace with the king right now. Me and the king are not cool. Everything is not well in our household. I ain't even seen the man in 30 days. You want me to go talk to him? And, then, and they told Mordecai what Esther said, and then Mordecai told them to reply to Esther. Do not think to yourself that in the king's palace you will escape any more than all the other Jews. Mordecai's like, oh, you think you're safe because you're in the palace. Don't think you're safe because you're in the palace. Don't don't think you're safe just because you're the queen. If he kills one and he says he's going to kill all, guess what? If you're in all, it's coming at you too. See, there's times where we think because of our position, because we're in the palace, maybe not literally in the palace, but figuratively in some palace, maybe we're not in the highest palace, but we're in a palace, we're, we're in a setting, we're in a environment, we're, we're comfortable in this setting, we, we have these privileges, we have these opportunities, like, whoa, 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 uh, y'all got to deal with that, because that deals with outside of the palace. He, he's talking about killing all the Jews outside of the palace, he's not talking about killing his queen. That, that doesn't really apply to me. And Mordecai's like, you think because you're in the palace, it doesn't apply to you? you? You think that because you're in Round Rock, that what happens in Queens or in China doesn't apply to you? You, you, you think that Satan really is only going to mess with the people outside of your palace and never try to come into your palace? You think just because you watch these things on TV that it'll never come near you and into your house, that it'll never try to seep into your life because it's been out there? Do you really think that Round Rock could could never be the next Ferguson? I mean, do do we really believe that? Do, Do you really believe that somebody in your family couldn't be something that's on the news in the next week or two weeks or... Like, do you, do you really think that this could never happen to you or to me? Because if we truly believe that, then what happens is we become callous. When we see things, especially after we've seen them many times, eh, especially with how we're inundated now in our media. I mean, th- th- we have seen all too many police shootings that result in no consequence And now, where's the outrage? Today is not going to be political. I'm not a a political person. I I don't, that's not me. I'm not, today is not about being on a side or another side, whatever side you think those are, apart from being on God's side. But today is about, as Christians, we need to wake up. 
we, we need to, to realize that just because we have some form of palace that we are living in, that we are sleeping in, that we're going to church in, that we're working in, that these things don't affect us, that is the lie. That is a lie. And we're going to look at our responsibility here. <laughs> you really think that just because you live in the palace that you're going to escape this more than the other Jews? Mordecai says in verse 14, for if you keep silent at this time, at this very time, if you keep silent, because you have a choice, we have a choice, we have a choice to keep silent in this very time. We talked about this last week with our faith. We can keep silent, and most of the time, that'll mean everything goes smoother. Everything works better. We don't ruffle any feathers. We don't, everything will be straight. Everything will be good. Everything will be like it was. And we have a choice to keep things that way. We have a choice. Mordecai says, if you choose to keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place. God will do what God needs to do. God will take care of his business. He's giving Esther an opportunity to use her influence for God. But Mordecai is saying, you don't have to do it. See, see, God has given, I'm getting ahead of myself, but God has given us influence. But you don't have to use it. You can keep silent at this very time. And even if you do, God is not bound by you. God, God is not so weak that if you don't do your part, then it won't get done. See, sometimes as Christians, we take on the weight of God, and we don't even realize it, and we think, if I don't share my faith today, then they will never hear, and they will go to hell, and it'll be all my fault. If I don't speak up about this injustice, then it will continue on for generations and generations. Like, who do we think we are? God will get done what God needs to get done. When God gives you an opportunity to do it, you have a choice of whether you will speak up or you will be silent at this time in your palace that is cozy and you like. Relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. So, so think about this. If you keep silent, the other Jewish people, they will be delivered. They will be safe. But you will actually die. See, when I brought this to you, you thought, I'll be safe, and I can probably save my father's house, even though they will die. But, but Mordecai is saying, no, no, no. If you do keep silent, you and your father's house will die, but they'll be saved. Man, when you start looking at what God says versus what the world says or what we think, it's always backwards. Which means it's not really backwards, it means we're backwards. It means our thinking about these things are backwards. Like, oh, I can be silent, and, and, and it's all right. I'll be silent, and they may die, and that's horrible. They don't have anything to do with me, and I'll be good. What Mordecai is saying is there are times, there are seasons, there are opportunities, there's doors that God opens, and if you are silent, you may not be killing other people. You may be killing yourself. And who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Now, I love this because if you've been in church, 
um, especially in some of the churches that y'all grew up in, you know, the, the pastor or the preacher or evangelist or pro- whoever, you know, they'll, they'll throw this, you know, you're such a time as this. Oh, y'all ain't never heard that? I mean, you just use such a time as this for everything. You should be serving in the church because you were here for such a time as this. You should be giving because you are here for such a time as this. You should, like, oh. So this 9 a.m. is the unchurched crowd. Okay, I'm good with that. I'm the unchurched crowd too. I'm with y'all. We'll, we'll skip all of that then. Such a time as this. See, we got to realize that God is the one who sets time, location, and purpose for each of us. You literally are here for such a time as this. And not just time, but location. You are in Round Rock this morning for this time. Wherever you live, wherever you're leaving out here, wherever you work, wherever you're going this week, you are there for this time in this location on purpose and for purpose. You're not just here to be here. You're not just here to be in a, in, in a palace. You're not just here to be in a church. You're not just here to be in a city. You're not just here to be in a home. You are here for a purpose. And Mordecai is saying, you became the queen. You won that beauty contest. Go back and read how that even happened. It was amazing. You won that beauty contest as a Jewish woman for a purpose, for a time, for a location. And this is it. So if you are silent, if you're not willing to walk in your purpose and step into your purpose and speak up when it's time for you to speak up, then not only will your father's house die, but you will die because you have no more purpose. You have, you have forfeited your purpose because you're comfortable in the palace. You can choose to do that. And we have the choice to sit back and justify our silence. We can say, well... You know, we don't know all the facts of what actually happened. Or actually, this injustice is, is really because those people, the victims, did something they shouldn't do. And listen, if, if you have those thoughts, it's not that you're always incorrect and it's not that you're evil. But Proverbs chapter 17, verse 15 says, He who justifies the wicked and he who condemns the righteous are both both, both the, the one who justifies the wicked and condemns the righteous are both like an abomination to the Lord. So that just means when you see or read or hear about injustice, you need to make sure you're on the side of the Lord. You need to make sure you're on the righteous side, the side that is right with God. So maybe you don't know all the facts. Maybe somebody did something that did spur an action that seems like an injustice. You need to make sure before you justify and before you condemn that you're on the Lord's side. Because if you're not on the Lord's side, then it's like an abomination to him. And you can sit here and you can call yourself a Christian and you can come to the church and we will welcome you and we will love you and we will pray for you. And you can lift your hands at the right time and say amen and praise the Lord and hallelujah. And you can put a TH on it in every word and you can speak in Elizabethan and King James. You can do all that. But if you're not on the Lord's side, then we may, I mean, we may see it. We may not see it. But to the Lord, it's like an abomination to make sure not only 
that we don't justify the wicked, but that we also don't condemn the righteous. We may say, well, I'm not the one doing the injustice. I'm not a politician. I'm not a police officer. I'm not a racist. I'm not this. I'm not that. I'm not, I'm not in border patrol. I'm, I'm, I'm not the one doing it. So as a Christian, I just need to leave that up to God. Romans chapter 1, verse 32, it says, Though they know God's righteous decree, that those who practice such things deserve to die. Now, I encourage you to go back and read Romans 1 and talk about all these things that they were practicing. They not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. So this is not just a responsibility for us as Christians that we don't do these acts of injustice. But it's also a responsibility for us not to approve of them that do the injustice. We have a responsibility to be on the side of the Lord, to be on the side of righteousness, not in just what we do, but in what we approve of. And how do we approve of things? We approve of things by speaking, by, by saying, by voting, or not voting, or by keeping silent and not speaking up to condemn the wicked and justify the righteous. So no, maybe you haven't done any of the injustices, but you've been silent about the injustices. You've been silent with your words. You've been silent with your prayers. You've been silent with your vote. Again, I'm not political, so if you're going to write me or send something later that this is political, I'm not even going to know what you're talking about. I'm not into politics like that. But you got a choice. And make no mistake about it, this time is every bit as important as Esther's time. And it's every bit as important that we not keep silent when we see and we hear and we read about these injustices. Let me give you one more. We might say, well, I'm not the one doing the injustice clearly, but it's also like it's not my place to speak up. I just stay in my lane. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 11, Paul said, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness. Clearly, we got that. We've established that. But he ends verse 11 with this. But instead, expose them. Wait, so as Christians, we have some responsibility to expose the works of darkness? Now, we'll shout and praise the Lord and say amen and do all this stuff when we're talking only about the spiritual matters of exposing darkness and seeing people healed and seeing people delivered and seeing people get blessed. And, yes, we're exposing. That is, that is from Satan. That's a lie. Don't believe that. God wants you to be healed. We'll, man, we'll get excited. We'll get vocal about that. We'll get vocal about some of the things that we think line up with um, more closely God's word and, and that become like polarizing and maybe even popular on one side and, and we'll, we'll shout about things like abortion. But when it comes to some other things that God is calling wicked, so many times as Christians, we just say, well, I'm not doing that. And, I, and I'm gonna keep quiet about it because I, I, that doesn't have anything to do with me. I'm going to stay in my lane. 
I'm married with kids. What is, what is whoever marries who and whatever, like, what does that have to do with me? I don't, I'm not coming in from another country. It doesn't affect me what they do with whoever comes in. It doesn't, I'm, I'm just staying in my lane. I'm a pastor in Round Rock. I don't have anything to do with that. Paul says, not only don't take part in those works, we have a responsibility to expose them. How do we expose them? We expose them in the influences and the ways and the doors that God has opened up for us. We have a responsibility to expose them. I got to, man, where did the time go? One of my heroes, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said, (laughs) He said, we will have to repent in this generation, not merely for the hateful words of bad people, but for the appalling silence of good people. The Bible makes it clear that we will be judged for the words that we speak, but we'll also be judged for the words that we don't speak. And I believe just like in Martin Luther King's generation and our generation, we're going to have to repent as well for the hateful words of bad people and for the appalling silence of good people. Good people in the church, good people who follow God. Your influence that you have is for a time, such a time as this. If you don't use your voice, you will lose your voice. Because if you don't speak up, I promise you, there's people listening and they're listening for you. And if you don't speak up, then they tune you out. It's it's use it or lose it with your voice, with your influence. In verse 15, it says, Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, Go, gather all the Jews to be found in Susa, and hold a fast on my behalf, and do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my young women will also fast as you do. Then I will go to the king, though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. Let me point this out first. First of all, Esther speaks up to God before she speaks up to man. Esther goes and she says, well, okay, you're asking me to speak up. This is going to cost me something. This may cost me my life. I I recognize that I should, but first, let me speak up to God in prayer and have y'all pray and fast for me before I speak up to man. If you feel and sense this burden to speak up, in a significant way, I would challenge you, I would encourage you, I would implore you, I would all the adjectives that I don't know tell you to speak up to God before you speak up to man. Because when you go and you look, and we don't have time, but if you go and look at what God did and this plan that Esther had and how God used Esther to, to, to save the Jewish people in this time, it was brilliant. It was genius. It was one of those, like, that's, that's, that's clearly God how that happened. And why did that happen? Because she spoke up to God before she spoke up to man. And when she spoke up to God and when she prayed and when she fasted and she had these other people praying with her and fasting with her, then God gave her the words to speak to speak up to man. He gave her the plan to carry out what God wanted to happen. Had she just ran in and spoke up on her own because it was the right thing to do or because she thought it was, then she likely would have been killed. Again, she was not in the king's good graces. She hadn't seen him for 30 days. But because she spoke up to God first, she knew what to say and how to say it. She knew when to say it. God gave her this plan, maybe in the moment, maybe he laid it out. But he gave her the words and the actions and the steps to do what God needed to be done. 
But then she used her influence that was given to her to speak up. Let me give you one last verse in Proverbs chapter 31, verse 8 and 9. It says, open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of all who are destitute. Open your mouth and judge righteously. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. We now have a voice and a platform that is larger and more powerful than any other time in history. See, it used to be that you had to bring messages by hand <coughs> and, and by mail or, or even by telephone where it's like a one-on-one message or maybe even email, which is advanced. But now with social media, you actually have a voice and a platform. Even if you, you never even really go on social media, even if you've never even been on social media, if you get on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter right now, within a week or two, you're probably going to have 100 or 200 or more followers. And what the church has done is the church said, oh, that's evil. I mean, I, mean, I read an article a couple, a couple uh, maybe a couple years ago where a pastor required all of his staff to stay off of social media. And people are like, hey, the social, that's just not for me. That's just not for me. I just, that's, what, no. And I'm saying, really? I get it. I get the dangers of it. The dangers of it? Most of the dangers of it is really about your heart more than about the platform. Like, like there was one guy who was like, I don't want anybody from my past to be able to keep up with me. I don't want to see them. I don't want to know them. Other people are like, I don't want to see what's going on with her because that may not work out good for me. Like, that's about you, man. That's not about the platform. It's easy. You just block that person. I don't even think they'll ever know. Like, no, 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 that's not, that's, that's, that's for the kids, that's this, that's that, that's this, this, whatever. But listen, listen, you have a voice and a platform to turn your phone around and stick it far enough away from you to where they don't get all the wrinkles and the whatever, <laughs> and to instantly reach hundreds or thousands of people. Maybe you are here and I am here in this time for a purpose, for a reason. And maybe part of that reason is to actually live out this faith in a way where we get to proclaim the gospel in such a more powerful, wider scope than any other generation in history. And we say, oh, no, 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 I don't want to do that. I don't want, that's, that's bad. I might get tripped up into sin or I don't, I don't need to waste time with that. Cool, don't do those things. But use the platform for what you can use it for. I'm just not like a, everybody get on social media. But let, let's think about why are we so against this? Listen, I was listening to a podcast of this pastor who, if I said his name, many of you all know it, but in the last 12 months, their church has just absolutely exploded. It went from four, 500 to just thousands, and the guy is like everywhere. And he was talking about what happened was he, they posted all their uh, sermons on YouTube, and some, somebody took a 10-minute clip off of YouTube, put it on Twitter, and all of a sudden it went viral, and he was getting 10,000 followers a day. And now he's preaching the word all over the world. <laughs> it's not about him. It's about the kingdom. 
Like, like it doesn't even have to happen that way. But I know if I post something on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter that I know people that don't go to church see it. And I get to speak into their lives without, hey, do you know Jesus? If you were to die tonight, not today, because nobody dies during the day, you always die at night. If you were to die tonight, <laughs> would you go to heaven? Like, I don't got to do that. Because <laughs> they're watching. I have the platform. I have the voice. Not because I got a microphone, because I got a, a, a phone and a laptop and the internet. It would be selfish of me not to use my voice and my influence for God's kingdom. And it could potentially be dangerous for me. We're out of time. Esther got favor with the king. Many of you all know what happened. God used this amazing plan to actually um, kill Haman and save all the Jewish people. And all the Jewish people were saved. It's, it's an amazing book. You may never hear the cry of a 28-year-old woman being beaten and raped. You, you may never walk by a two-year-old girl who's clinging to life. But every time we see or hear or learn about an injustice, we have the same choice as those 38 neighbors and those 18 pedestrians. We can remain silent not call the police or emergency services or, or whoever needs to be called or speak up or actually take action. Or we can be the ones that make the call. We can be the ones who speak up. We can be the ones who get on God's side and expose the unfruitful works of darkness. We can be the voice in our community in our influence, in our family, in our home. We can be the one who gets a plan from God that brings justice in the face of uncertain justice. Make the call. Speak up. Use your influence. It will be difficult, and it will cost you something. But I can promise you this. Well, if you enjoyed today's podcast, there's a couple things I'd love for you to do. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. You can also invest in helping us empower others to follow Jesus by texting any dollar amount to 512-520-0185. Thanks again for joining us today on the Faith for Life podcast.